This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome one and all to the Back in the Nest preview podcast. I'm your host Terence Ford and we are back in action against Brentford. Hot on the heels of a disappointing 1-1 draw at Norwich that Heskiff and Albert will help me cover before we get into our traditional preview which is a trip to the struggling bees on Saturday. It is Saturday. It better be Saturday. It definitely is Saturday. It's definitely a Saturday because I say that I just read a preview of the game. And this little bit here says Vitali Janeltz and Zanka, are apparently both Brentford players, are both doubts of Brentford when they welcome Palace on Sunday. Um, so let good. Just, let me just check. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, it's Saturday. It is bought, Saturday. Who's bought the tickets to this one? Did you buy my ticket? Ooh, God knows. <laughs> no, I, you I haven't got one. I don't know if I bought yours. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? I've got a Beaver Town this week. It's called Bloody L. It's a blood orange IPA, 5.5%. Um, I don't think I've had this before. Um, Albert, what are you drinking? Good evening. Uh, you're drinking a, a can of Old Faithful, a.k.a. Heineken. I've this definitely is, had this one before. This is bloody good. I'm a fan yeah. of this. Bloody <laughs> hell. Bloody hell good. Albert, what uh, rating does your Heineken have on untapped, please? <laughs> Def- what, what's, it, uh, what's the highest you can get on untapped, Terrence? Um, five. five isn't it? Yeah, well, I think, he- I think Heineken got a six. <laughs> I, um, I'd be surprised if it's um, rated. If it's on there. Surprised if it's on there. <laughs> Heineken has 2.94. It's higher than I thought it would be on there, to be fair. Out of what? Out of five? Out of five. What's what's your fucking Nora, whatever it's called? <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. By Beaver Town is a 3.72. Ooh. What is filtered fridge water? Um, let's see. Aqua. If it's more than Heineken, I'm going to be well fucking pissed off. This is better. <laughs> this is better than Heineken, mate. I'll tell you that now. 
There's Delicious. A beer, there's a beer called Aqua Predator, which gets a 3.85. There you go. That counts. It counts. I think so. Which is obviously is better than mine. Is that a code name for Prince Andrew? <laughs> Aqua Predator is on the move. He is visibly not sweating. <laughs> Sweat, sweaty nonce. Aqua Predator. <laughs> Same thing, isn't it? <laughs> well, talking of which, um, did you guys know that it's International Dick Out Thursday? <laughs> as in, as in Cressida Dick has just um, left the Met Police which is obviously fantastic news. Although the bad news is um, I hear she's going to become the head of Sussex police. So put your, put your knuckle dusters away. <laughs> I don't know is if it, that's true or not, to be honest. Hasn't that, has that got already enough dicks in the Sussex police? <laughs> uh, certainly have. Um, and I don't know if uh, this Kurt Zuma thing might have been the um, tipping point all of the stuff she's covered up, um, all sorts of abuse and all sorts of stuff. But kicking a cat was one step too far. <laughs> the people have gone after her for not doing that. Um, Albert, bit strange that it's all become about what's worse than kicking a cat and what's not worse than kicking a cat in all of the arguments. Uh, yeah, I mean, kicking a cat is obviously appalling. Um and other things are appalling you know it's yeah i mean i just don't know where to slot it in in terms of ranking of serious crimes i don't think uh, he slotted <laughs> in i think he more sort of tried to volley it top corner <laughs> um i mean yeah i don't know i don't know what's worse i mean the number one crime of all is bad mouthing wilfred zaha of course like it's the number one crime that you can possibly commit probably just murder just below maybe uh, <laughs> uh but yeah just ridiculous uh heskiff what do you think do you think he should um be banished from football forever uzuma mm. i thought you meant zaha this is taking no. a swing <laughs> we should never be banished uh i definitely don't think that Z- that zuma should have played uh that game against Watford, to be honest. But yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit like, like, what, why there needs to be a discussion about what's what's bad, what's worse. Just don't be a cunt and yeah. don't be a racist. Mm. That's my view. Yeah, very. I just find it, it coming from both sides. You know, I mean, Chris Kirkland just needs to needed to stop talking. Like he's he just got worse and worse with yeah. every word that came out of his mouth. Which is kind of links into um, <laughs> this Brighton letter that a fan, a letter that a Brighton fan wrote in Argos, Which, um, in fact, let's just get into that. Have you? Did you read this, Albert? No. Excellent stuff. I, I know. I'm pretty sure Haskins read it. So I'll, I'll read it for you. This is a letter into the Argus from Paul Johnston of Middleton Avenue, Hove. Oh, Christ. Having attended the Brighton versus Crystal Palace match on Friday the 14th of January, I was able to personally witness the hostile atmosphere and the behaviour of many fans due to what is constantly referred to in the media as a fierce rivalry between the clubs. Having experienced the scenes, it was like returning to the 1970s when football violence was apparently at its most prevalent. 
with the intense police presence and scenes at Brighton Station, is it not time that attempts were made to calm the situation between the two clubs? Perhaps the media, together with Brighton and Hove Albion, can come together in a joint effort to discuss this intense hatred that is clear to be seen. Some input from the former player of both clubs, Glenn Murray, could be initiated and address the fans at these fixtures. This may help, and perhaps Adam Mullery, who is claimed to have started the friction between the clubs with some throwaway jibe when he was manager, could also speak up as an ambassador of Brighton and Hove Albion. <laughs> Something needs to be done as this situation surely cannot continue. Kind regards, Paul Johnson, Middleton, Averton, <laughs> Middleton Avenue, Hove. Um, <laughs> I, I think Alan Muller is the answer. What do you reckon, Albert? Uh, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm a bit, yeah, a bit stunned by that. Um, Hesk, if you were at White Hart Lane for FA Cup in 2016, when um, I was t- t- Tottenham thought it might be a good idea. Oh, Alan Mullery, he um, played for Spurs and managed Palace. What, he'll be a good guest to have. And we had a continuous 15-minute long boo, just one solid <laughs> boo for the entirety of halftime. Mm. That was like one of the best halftimes that ever has existed when you haven't gone down and got a beer from out back. Just unbelievable. Get Adam Mullery in. Get Adam Mullery will fix it. Do you even think it's that bad when you go to games? Do you like Brighton Palace? Uh, no. I, I think, think like the police hype it up a bit more than probably warrants. Yeah. It's not, like, so. it's not like we'll be playing Millwall when they raid the away end or you play Charlton and it's running battles all over South Norwood. It's, um, yeah. I mean, what happened last time that we were at Brighton? Someone just hung out on the rafters and was just singing a song. It's good, <laughs> good, friendly, good, friendly fun. I mean, it is nice that they still continue to let us walk past a poster of Lewis Dunk that we can read, <laughs> read down every year. Uh, but there you go. Um, since we last recorded, obviously we'd advanced to the next round of the FA Cup and it has been announced on the day of recording that Tuesday... The 1st of March will be the game against Stoke Albert. Were you happy with that draw? Yeah, I was happy with our bit of the draw. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but, it, you know, there's definitely balls in the fridge element to the rest of the fixtures. You know, none, <laughs> none, none of the big teams drew each other. They all got very favourable draws. So, you know, if 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 we're lucky enough to get through to the next round, then, you know, we we know that we're probably in for a uh, a pretty brutal fixture. Um, can't, in the I can't remember round. who the tweet was from, but it said <laughs> just before the draw, the big talking point of this draw is will Man City get Peterborough at home or away? <laughs> and they obviously drew them away. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we've got really. Obviously, not this round. Next round now is gonna. You've got to hope for a Man City Liverpool draw or a Chelsea Spurs or something like that. Let them start getting rid of each other. Um, I there mean, might be some upsets in the next round. You know, you know, Peterborough might do City over. You know, Borehamwood might do Everton over. Stoke might do us over. You know, uh, that's the great thing about the cup. You know, you, you look at it on paper and you think, oh shit. But there's, you know, there's hopefully at least one or two surprises in there. Obviously, we don't want to be one of them. Yeah, Boreham would, or Peterborough would, it would be great. Although saying Everton, I 
I think anyone will fancy playing Everton at the moment, to be honest. Um, Hesketh, of course, this fixture will mean that we play against Ian Wright's grandson. Um, you obviously saw Ian Wright play live for Palace. I did. I, I can't believe I'm at the point now where not, <laughs> not only am I like, oh, I used to watch his dad play, but now I used to watch his granddad play. Like if I if I wasn't feeling insecure enough about turning forty, uh, that that will certainly push me over the edge. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? And I mean, we were just talking the other day about on this pod, Hayden Mullins getting sacked and like seeing players that we sort of come through the youth team retire <laughs> and then become managers. But this is the next level of taking the biscuits. Um, it, but... I thought it was quite funny that Stoke were like, "Oh, what a shit draw." I'm like, mm. you get to go out of Stoke for a day. <laughs> so you're welcome. Pipe down. Well, I mean, Hartlepool reacted like that early doors and um, tunes changed very quickly um, based on everything. All of the feel good that happened around that. Um, and obviously, I mean, fantastic. All the money that was raised has now reached over 80K, which is just absolutely brilliant from Palace fans. Um, <clears throat> Albert... <clears throat> Will you be coming to Stoke on the Tuesday night? <laughs> no, the the midweek ones. Just I'm scuppered. I'm scuppered for the midweek games. I was livid because I was I was upset to miss out on tickets for Hartlepool due to my own you know lax sort of ways of keeping up to, up to speed with these things. Silly uh, youth uh, thinking that Hartlepool at home wouldn't sell out. No, no, you know what it was. I I, I just completely forgot. It's, you know the cup. It's been so long since we've been on a cup run. Uh, I, I forgot that you had to buy tickets. You know, I just assumed that, you know, season ticket. I, I, I completely forgot that you actually had to do something to go. That's what it was like back in the day when it was one of the paper tickets in the back of the book that would um, yeah, yeah, get, yeah, get yeah. you into the cup games. <laughs> so, no, yeah, and the, yeah, the Tuesday night thing's just not, it's just not an option for me, unfortunately. So I'll have to just go to the next round mm. away at Boreham Wood, please. Well, I mean, we're all coming to stay at yours if that happens, I think. You'd be more than welcome to stay at mine. Have you been to Boreham Woods Ground? I yeah, I went to. Uh, I've been a couple of times, but the first time I went was we didn't we we what year was it? We played there in a pre-season friendly. Oh about, yeah, we did. Hmm. Must have been about Jesus, what five years ago? Maybe yeah. longer. I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember. Go, I remember so yeah, I can't remember why I, I didn't go to that one, but there was a reason. Maybe I was away on holiday. I, I remember. I remember paying twenty quid for it. No. Yeah. Oh, is this is this a bit like Bournemouth? It's like plucky Boreham Wood. They've actually got shitloads of money. <laughs> I've got um, a former Palace Academy graduate, haven't they? They've got um, James James Comley. Comley. <laughs> I need to. Oh, yeah. I, I've, I don't know if I'm imagining this. I'm sure it was one of the first times Guaita played for Palace. Maybe I've got that wrong. Anyway, so it was in twenty. It was in twenty eighteen. Yeah, I think it was summer twenty eighteen. Yeah, July thirty first, twenty eighteen, and there are still five minutes worth of highlights on the Palace website. If you care to go and really, blimey, crumb. What's the score? Uh, but not. Um, I, I can tell you because I found it on Boreham Woods website. Uh, Palace won one nil. 
Johnny Esther scored in the 69th minute. Nice. Oh, Fuck off. 2018. Out. Like, I would have never guessed that scorer. Uh, the, the t- do you want the team? Uh, yes. So the Palace team was Guaita, Ward, O'Dwyer, Woods, yeah. Pat Soiree, Punch and Kirby, Johnny Esther, Lakilo, Kai Kai and Wickham. Wow. Um, and the subs were Brown, McGregor, Lumeka, Rob Street and Jim Daly. James Daly. Jim Daly. Wait, James Daly, not FYP is Jim Daly. <laughs> Sorry. That was bloody hell. That was a, we were really scraping the bottom of the barrel for that game. Um, <laughs> 20 quid? Yeah. Uh, no, that's for the FYP live show, I think it was. No. <laughs> I don't know if that was 20 quid or not. <laughs> Cupid works hard in February, but our friends at Manscaped are working harder than ever to ensure your Valentine's Day is one to remember. Don't turn this day of romance into Independence Day this year and get in control with their Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0. This February, join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. We have an exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the code BOTN for 20% off and free shipping. Contrary to popular belief, love is not blind when you can't see past the love jungle manscaped.com BOTN at checkout free shipping and 20% off Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film If only in theaters May 17th Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, right, we've got to talk about Norwich, so we should probably get into talking about Norwich. Uh, 40 seconds, Heskiff. Yeah. You were there, right? How did that feel? Yeah, not great. Um, Just getting comfortable. (laughs) Had quite a good good time up until that point. Um, We had a lovely pie, home-baked by Delia. Very nice. Uh, (laughs) We went to... See, I'm the wrong person to talk about this because I was with Cara and Chris Clark from the Match Report uh, Parish. I think that's what we say, isn't it? And they, we went to some pub where Chris had some kind of beer. Uh, How many? Mm, a couple, maybe, in the pub. One was a plum porter. <laughs> which I, that's right, isn't it? Plum porter. Yeah, you get a plum porter, I think. Yeah. Uh, I had a pint of like, I think I had a pint of help. Whatever lager it is that isn't on the chalkboard is what I ordered. Um, is that, yeah, how, so is that it, how you ordered it? <laughs> Yeah, n- nothing. Up I don't there. want any of that fucking chalkboard, you prick. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't give me that shit. Give me the gassy, tasteless stuff. That's what I want. Um, <laughs> plum, plum porter. Yeah, pl- the plum porter looked like Guinness without a uh, without a head. 
It was just like a. I was going to say, is that a pint of Guinness that someone's dipped their nuts in? <laughs> You'd have to ask Chris. What's that I one would... untapped? <laughs> um, so keep going, we had, keep going. <laughs> we had, we had, yeah, we had quite a good day. Um, got to the ground. We were all sort of looking forward to it. I mean, I'm never looking forward to Palace, obviously. But yeah, got into the seats, and no sooner had we had they kicked off, but Joel Ward got done about three times in the first sort of ten seconds, and they'd scored. And they've, only, they've only shot on target in the game. Yeah, and we were we were sort of on right on the side, so we were near nearer their fans, which is always a bit galling when you've got Norwich fans calling you names. Um, but yeah, I mean the first ten minutes or so, they, I mean they just uh, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but they they obviously their tactic was get it near Joel Ward because he is not playing very well. Uh, and so the first 10 minutes were quite rough viewing, to be honest, because they just kept getting it to their winger. And I just assumed they were going to score. And if it wasn't for, I think if it wasn't for Tarek Mitchell, they probably would have scored a couple of more, to be honest. Yeah, it was such a strange first half. You're right. There was definitely that targeting of Joel Ward. It was a long diagonal in behind him all the time. Um, to whoever the bloke was out there, he was a bit nippy. <laughs> and he had Joel Ward all sorts of trouble. But then, yeah, Tyrick particularly the last-ditch slide tackle, but also the header at the back post. Um, yeah, that, that header was unbelievable. Like, yeah. f- when when the ball came over, for, I mean, it looked like it was going in all day long, um, and him getting a header on that was unbelievable. Yeah, and it was, um, yeah, th- but short of those three chances, really early doors, um, Albert, we kind of just... <laughs> it was a bit like school bullies not having little kids have the ball at all um, particularly when we got into the second half 82% possession in the second half yeah I mean when that stat came up I had to fucking clean my glasses and check I'd read it right I thought uh, I was on um, I thought I was on BT Sport watching the Liga and it was actually Barcelona I got a bit confused <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was weird I'm, I'm I, I, I mean I missed the uh, the first goal. I tuned in about four minutes in once the kids were in bed. It was like, oh fucking hell, we're one 0 down. But again, not not having seen the not having seen the goal and and almost you know being half naive to it, you know we it took us a little while to get into the game. But again, we sort of we ramped it up quite quite swiftly after that, and it just it just seemed to be. I mean, the second half was way, like you say, eighty-two percent possession. It was way more sort of intense from us, and yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about the other incidents in the game, but it was again, it's another one that you think we really should have come away with the three points there. Um, you know, we we definitely grew into the game a bit more, and even Joel Ward improved vastly in the second half. But yeah, it's frustrating, and to you know, we said they're only shot on goal. If, if we were a bit tighter in the first five minutes, then, you know, it could have been a, a, a hugely different game. Yes, indeed. A um, couple of chances, Zaha drags a couple of shots just past the near post. Um, really trying to get Elise one away. He did some good work down there. Um, hate to say, a bit hampered by Joel Wald, not overlapping him. Took him time to build up some confidence in that game a bit. But... Um, Getting to halftime, and once again, it looks like Vieira's got a halftime team talk correct, Heskiff, as we um, 
come out storming and Corby nearly pit could have potentially scored in under 40 seconds ourselves in the second half really come flying out the blocks yeah it was a bit a bit like the Millwall game where mm. everything's a bit sort of stuttery in the first half even though we grew into the first half and you know looked better than them by the end but yeah straight from kickoff in the second half we were just all over them almost scored like you said almost scored instantly and then just didn't let up at all and just sort of whatever Vieira says at half time, just say that before the game, mate, and we'll start smashing teams, you know. Well, I'm um, guessing he's tactically astute, right? He's picking stuff up in game and he's making the alterate, the slight tweaks here and there at half time is what you've got to assume it is. Either that or he's just got the old school Neil Warnock style, yeah. like, <laughs> or, yeah, well, exactly that sort of, he can really hype people up and get them going. But, um, He's definitely doing something. There are things that we were saying during the first half. We were like, why isn't this player doing that? Or why isn't he doing this? That they started doing in the second half. Like, there was a few times in the first half where Schlupp got the ball in midfield and just didn't go forward with it. Like, he had space in front of him, didn't push forward with the ball, which we've talked about on here is, you know, something he's really good at. And then in the second half, he started to do it a bit more. He, he, He broke into the box really well fairly early on. And just like... We just need people to to start the game like that rather than the second half, you know. Um, because I think when once we got going, you know, when, when we were on tops, but certainly in the second half, there was just no let up. Like every time the, they got the ball anywhere near our half, Anderson and especially Gay, who I thought was absolutely unbelievable last night, just mopped it up without like any trouble whatsoever. You know, we just. We were completely in control and I think, I mean, we'll, we'll obviously talk about the penalty, but had Wilf scored that, it would be fine. We'd be like, well, we battered them and we've won. It would have been nice to beat them by more, but deserved. As it is, unfortunately, it's another like, well, we've got a draw, but we should have won, mm. you know, which seems to be a bit of a running theme this season. Yeah, um, particularly away from home, our only away win remains Man City in the Premier League. Um, Albert, then comes the equaliser. Um, Michael Elise switches the ball out, which gives him his uh, fourth assist in the Premier League this season. Um, since the turn of the year in all competitions, seven direct goal assists, uh, direct goal uh, assists ain't the right word, is it? Goal, goal involvements, goal involvement contributions, which is the most of any Premier League player. So he's leading the way. Uh, might have subbies to his Salabin at Afcon, but we'll over, we'll overlook that fact. Um, but Zaha cuts inside, and it's an incredible finish. Yeah, no, no disrespect to Elise, but it almost feels almost feels harsh on Zaha to give someone an assist for that goal because he's <laughs> he's proper carved that chance out and. Yeah, what a finish. Um, I thought Zaha was a bit rusty first half. Like I say, pulled a a few shots wide, like his touch, you know, he had a really heavy touch at times. Yeah, it was bouncing off of him, wasn't it? It was like a pinball machine, yeah. Yeah, and you sort of think, oh, no, you know, Wilf Wilf comes in for too much flack anyway, and you think, you know, well, now now he's definitely going to be under the spotlight. So... For him to sort of turn it on second half and, I mean, yeah, what a goal. It's it's one of those that you sort of, you see it 10 times and you, you're, not, you're not bored of it. It's such a sweet hit. Um, 
yeah, he, that, and that's what he's that's why he's in the team. He can have a the worst first half of his career. I'm not saying it was. I'm saying hypothetically, he can have the worst half of his career. But you still you still know that he's got that in his locker. Um, and there's not many there's not many Palace players who can do that. So that's that's why he's there, and that's why we've missed him. Mm. Um, Heskiff, did it remind you of any other Wilfred Zaha goals in the past? God. I mean, it's identical. It's a well, carbon copy to one. He scored one at Huddersfield, didn't he, like that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, it, mine, minus the ridiculous dribble from the halfway line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was, yeah, it was such a good goal. The thing, like the, the perfect timing at the game, um, there was a few sort of mumbles around me about him in the first half, which, you know, he didn't have a good first half. But as as everyone knows, I'll defend Wilf till, till the bit of death. Um, but he got he got the ball when when Elise pinged it. <clears throat> he he brought the ball down, and then someone behind me, I don't know who it was, was like, "Right now, fucking do something with it this time." And then he <laughs> curled it in, and I turned around and I was like, "Who said that? Who said it?" Because <laughs> um, where we were, like, we were sort of, I guess, level with the with the goal line. So you know when you so, you sort of stood at an angle where and you hit it, and you're like, it could be going in, it could end up like. Yeah. 30 yards wide and it just sort of curled in the net and it yeah it was pretty I mean it was bedlam in the stands which was great but I just thought that that time and from the bloke who was giving him abuse about a second before he pings that in the pings that in the corner was just mm. perfect yeah but yeah but I bet when that ball hit the net he was turning to his mates going see see that's what I mean that's what you should be doing <laughs> <laughs> you should you should be doing that every single time. Put it top yeah. bins every time. Although yeah. it, when it went in, do you not think that it's like, oh, this is what all the training videos look like that come out of training <laughs> yeah. ground. They always put that in the top corner. Yeah. <laughs> so what is this? We can actually do it in real life. But um I did um, yeah. I did really like the celebration as well though. I didn't obviously I didn't clock it at the time, but I saw it back on, on Twitter and the, the palace site where he goes straight over to Fiera and gets a Gets a big a slap hug on the forehead and a slap on the forehead at the end. <laughs> well, Vieira has, you know, multiple times this season called Wilf out a bit and said, you know, I expect him to be sticking his goal contributions up. And that's um, now six for the season, Albert, which includes being away, stroke suspended for a month of it. Um, 10 is his best Premier League return. So he's got he's got a chance of surpassing that this season. Yeah, totally. And what, what many people say has not been his best season. Yeah, and it could have been seven quite easily. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, I, I'm sure he'll hit double figures. If he stays fit, I'm sure he'll hit double figures. Yeah, so obviously it's, shortly comes the penalty. Um, before we talk about the actual taking of it, uh, that overlap, Albert, from Tyrick Mitchell... Which I don't even think Aaron knows. Aaron's knows he's there to actually foul him. He's just very no, unfortunate. A decent defender played had a really good game. I thought. Um, wouldn't mind him as a long term replacement for Joel. But as for another day, um, get Dougie Freeman on the case. <laughs> but um, yeah, that is. I think that's the next stage, right? To our development, we need that overlap from the fullback to really be able to open teams up. Yeah, completely. And I thought as as great as Mitchell was. Uh, defensively yesterday, the the support that he was offering Wilf on the left, there was, there was, there was, I mean, there were so many occasions. There was one where Wilf sort of cheeky back heels it to Mitchell, who's flying up the wing. You know, that's 
I, I mean, and, you know, listen, no disrespect to Joe Ward, but that that that's what we're missing on the other side. You know, that's such a that's such an effective weapon. And Mitchell really, really knows when to go for it and when to maybe hold back a little bit more. There's a really good understanding between Wolf and and yeah. Mitchell. Um, well, you could see Elise and Wardy getting really. Elise was getting really frustrated at Wardy in that game. You could see it on the TV visibly. Him uh, screaming at Ward to like point him to where he's supposed to be. I mean, I'm not sure who's a senior player here and the one wearing the captain's armband, but. Um, but do you yeah, want Joe? Do you want Joe Ward overlapping again? No disrespect to him. Like is is, I mean, there was, there was several occasions last night where Elise has got no choice but to lay the ball back to Joe Ward. You know, a ten yard pass, and and Joe Ward's got time to put a cross in, and and the, I don't, and the ball well, going I, in isn't, yeah. isn't much good either. I, I don't want Ward to get the ball. I want Ward to do the overlap and take one of the defenders with him, so it leaves Elise one on one instead of leaving him two on one. Or with the option, as you say, of passing it back 10 yards. Wall's just got to make that run. What that run did from Tyrick Mitchell shows that it's taking a defender out and Wilf doesn't even have to pass it. He does make the perfect pass and ends up getting um, the foul for the penalty. But on the same note, he didn't have to pass that. The defender's gone and he's got a clearer shot on goal than he would have otherwise. So it's all about taking the man out and... Wall just seems far less willing to get forward as Mitchell does, um, for whatever reason that is. I don't know. I, I don't. I would never question Joel Ward's engine. Um, maybe his pace a little bit, but he's he's always seemed to be quite fit and being able to run for, for, at full capacity for a full ninety minutes. But yeah, I, I mean, the sad news is now Ferguson looks like he's out for another eight, six to eight weeks um, with a hamstring injury. So. Months. I mean, yeah, I saw a great, a great tweet with um, someone Scooby Doo style, like holding, holding Ferguson, and then like ripping his mask off, and it was Connor Wickham underneath, which was um, <laughs> very amusing. But I don't mean to laugh. Um, I feel very sad. You know, obviously, still many years ahead of him, and hopefully, he can be the right back that we thought we signed, but. Hopefully it won't get to the point where you and I will be wearing commemorative T-shirts of I was there when he come on against Tottenham. (laughs) I miss my T-shirt press. I wish I still had that. But there you go. Okay, we have to talk about the penalty miss. Article in the Telegraph today giving five reasons why it's the worst penalty of all time and what he did wrong step by step. Um, Heskiff, this this article could, could have simply been he slipped the end yeah i mean it's like it's a joke it's a joke I, I, like I, i'm sort of torn between going off on a big rant and and like saying well it's stupid i don't want to give it the time but you know like i, th- I think you you have people who are like oh why is wolf got a chip on his shoulder well probably because of stuff like that where he's slipped like he just like you say he just slipped he's not tried to do something clever he's not done you know like when lookman took a penalty last year and tried to like chip it in, and the goalie just mm. stood there and caught it. Or like you mentioned on Twitter, Perez passing it to Henri and messing it up. Didn't even get the ball off the penalty spot. Yeah. How it's is it like, the worst penalty of all time? Someone took a penalty and did not get it off the penalty off spot. The spot. <laughs> and it's just like he just slipped. Like it's not. It, these things happen. He he's not like. Yeah, he wasn't trying to do something clever, and it just like got egg on his face. And you know how many how many times have you seen that where or someone's got like an easy chance and they scuff it or they fall over and you don't get an article saying 
here's 10 reasons why Pookie slipped on the, you know, and missed an open goal. What a terrible player. So I think, you know, that, that's what annoys me because people are like, oh, Will's always got such a bad attitude. Well, A, I don't think he has. But B, if he does, I think he's well within his rights to be like, can you just fucking leave me alone? You know. I mean, when I saw that, when I saw that headline, I assumed it was from like fucking shit football website. You know, look, obviously there's there's pages and pages and pages of shit online, and you know, <laughs> say what you really mean. The, the, this site and that site, and if it, you know, if it was from like fucking, I mean, I can't even think of a website that might like print like that. But when you see it's from like the Telegraph sports section, it's like fucking hell, really? Like, yeah, it's just just the the the. The disrespect is is well out of order. It's I mean, not, the, guy, not, the guy the guy wrote it had some sub editorial role or like an editor's role at the Guardian at one point in his career as well. Like the guy should like, know about like, it. Even if it's Brighton like fan, do we know? Right, no, no, he's a he's a Leeds fan. I think uh, he wrote the, the damned United or something. Did he write one of those books? Go on, say what really? you're saying, I'll find out. No, yeah. I was say, even if it's like clickbait, let's get people onto the site. Just have some self-respect as a journalist. I don't know this bloke. He might be all especially right. When it's, especially when it's behind a paywall. <laughs> well, that's, that was the only, the most disappointing thing about this article is it wasn't behind that paywall because then I wouldn't have had to oh. fucking read it. <laughs> it's just, ah, it's just, it's just annoying and... Like uh, uh, there was a tweet that Sky Sports Twitter put up, which I saw when we were on, we were driving home from the game, and Wilf quote tweeted it and then deleted it because I think he's probably just fed up. But it was like from hero to zero, Zaha scores a, a, a good goal and then misses a penalty badly, and he was like, "I slipped. How? Why am I zero just because I slipped?" And it's just the thing. It's like you have to sensationalize everything mm. and. You know, I had a couple of, of mates to give me shit on like Twitter and Instagram and that being, oh, Will's penalty was terrible. I was like, yeah, did you see that fucking worldie that he scored two minutes before though? Shut up. Yeah. So just while we're on it, he wrote The Unforgiven, the story of Don Reavy. Um, and he wrote the biography, a biography of Legion Knight as well. So he's, you know, he's got some sort of pedigree. Uh, that he shouldn't be sensationalising things like that. I mean, he, how can he look himself in the mirror <laughs> after spending all his time writing books about his beloved Leeds United only to turn into, I've got to write this for a pretty penny. Um, <clears throat> Albert, is it even the worst Palace penalty you've ever seen, let alone the worst penalty of all time? Uh, I mean, Jason, no. Pun- Jason punching yeah. at Spurs springs to mind. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely springs to mind. Uh um, I mean, the obviously the classic is Isaac Zohar from Boxing Day in 1997 is the one that people of our generation remember. I think uh, it's uh, you know, are you talking about a uh, worst in terms of technique or worst in terms of what it would have meant? I mean, I can still hear the thud of the post from Ashton Gate when Ben Watson absolutely yeah. fucking thumped yeah. that post in the, in the in the playoff game against Bristol. Uh, yeah, of course, of course, there's worse penalties. Yeah, I mean, if you, I think, um, was it 92, 93, um, we, I think we missed five or six penalties that season. And if just one of them goes in, we we don't get relegated that season. Uh, we've got 
Hennessy in the League Cup against Bournemouth. <laughs> that, that was the one that I texted. That was the one I texted you about earlier. I was like, Hennessy, man. Hennessy's my choice. I, I t- I'll tell you another one. Uh, was it Freddie Sears against Scunthorpe? Yeah, that was on my I'm list. Main. Four nil down. They have a fight. <laughs> over, they have a fight over who's taking the penalty at four nil down. Oh, <laughs> <He still laughs> uh, um, and then obviously Ben Teke against Bournemouth at home. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. yeah, where he promptly after t- stopped doing that stupid run up, um, which is another thing that pissed me off about that article was that one of the main points was this stuttering run-up should have been left behind with Zaza when he missed the penalty for Italy. It was like, he's seven from seven in penalties yeah. with and that stuttering run-up. That Zaza's stuttering run-up as well t- took about fucking 10 minutes. Like, Will took like three steps. <laughs> I love those, those, all those videos where they just, people would like, Edit it so it looks like he just carried on running, but <laughs> well, he just carried running on running past the ball all the way up to the goal line. It's so good. <laughs> so, yes, um, obviously sad that we didn't do it. Um, we've said about Patrick Vieira having good halftime talks, but on the flip side, bad substitutions many times this season. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about it, I think, post Brighton, and this time it was making the subs that seemed to be the mistake. We were massively in the ascendancy. We were picking them apart. We had a really good rhythm to our play, pinging the passes all over the place. They were dropping deeper and deeper, didn't know how to deal with us. Takes Elise off and brings on Ayu. And it just, from that point on, and the couple of subs that followed, momentum just disappeared. Yeah. I didn't understand him taking Elise off because Elise had that left back on toaster. He, you know, he he was all over him. And I actually think taking off Mateta was a mm. big mistake as well because I don't know obviously how much you could see on TV, but like he was second half for sure. He was making so many good runs, like in behind, down the channels. And they really, like their, their, their defence just couldn't really pick him up. Mm. And when we took him off, you know, for a little while afterwards, we were still playing the balls, but Edouard wasn't making those runs. And listen, yeah. I, I, I like Edouard, but like you say, it was like, I don't it was, know. Why it he... was within a second, mate. Within a second of Edouard coming on, they yeah. played the ball in behind for the run that Mateta was making every time and Edouard had come short. And it was yeah. from, from that moment there, like all the rhythm was broken up because the midfielders then didn't know if he was going to spin off and go or come yeah. short and everything was slowed down as a result. And, and I'm glad and I, it's it's good that in the stadium it was like that because on the TV it came across like he was having a really good game and that was without seeing all the runs all the time that he was making. Seemed like, a yeah, for he, me, it was his best game for us. I thought he was excellent. And, you know, we've talked about in the past couple of shows where we said that the more, the longer the run he gets in the team, the better he looks. Mm. Um, and, I yeah, I thought Mateta was a real handful last, last night. And like you said, I just don't know why we needed to, like the players, I appreciate we've got a game on Saturday, but the players didn't look knackered it wasn't it didn't seem to me like mm. yeah he's having a good game but he's obviously like out of puff I, it was just yeah it was weird and it, it just didn't work it like you say it just sort of like stopped our real momentum you know we were still better than them yeah. but we didn't but we, we weren't quite as incisive as we have been before the subs yeah definitely um i mean that just gets into man and a match then <laughs> we, we won't talk about who BT Sport Clive Allen gave man in a match to um, 
giving it to not they gave it to um um, not a Norwich say. player. They gave it to a Norwich player. Um, Rashiki? Is that his name? I don't even know who that is. Well, a, a, a Norwich you, player shouldn't be winning it. You'd be forgiven to miss him, other than that it was kind of generous for Palace because his pass accuracy for the game was only 43%. So um, <laughs> I think he he touched the ball about eight times. It just is like just a ridiculous decision. Um, he wasn't because, their winger, was he? So Clive Allen was like, oh, he had yeah, a good five minutes. Fuck. He had literally had a good five minutes and then gave him man the match where, I mean, I don't know. Who, who was it for you, Albert? Uh, I think for, for me, it's probably a toss-up between Mitchell and Gahey. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I think um, you've got John-Philippe uh, Mateta as a, a third place in that. Um, which one you're plumping for? I'm going to go Mitchell. Albert? Um, sorry, Askif. No, uh, Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would say it's out of, out of those two. And like you say, Mateo just behind. I'll give it to Gay just because they just he didn't give him a look in. And he's so good at bringing the ball forward and starting things off. It, it, he's, oh, he's class. I, I thought he was excellent. It was excellent. I mean, in the air, he won everything. Um when the ball was on the floor and he was having to defend, he just was all over them, bringing the ball out, passing everything about his game. is just, uh, I mean, he's got to be here. He, he, he could play <laughs> centre mid. He's that good. Yeah. But he's that, like, he's just the way England want to play and the way Harry Maguire's form has fallen off a massive, well, cliff the size of his forehead. It's, <laughs> he, He's he's a wild card for the World Cup for me for England when it when it comes around next next winter um, it'd be ridiculous not to take him and he's we're going to do well to keep him past the end of next season particularly if he goes to the World Cup with England as well um, and the worry is with Elise as well we've got to hope that in the next year and a half we do make it to Europe because we're going to need something to keep these players because they are genuinely but the two of them are got. The potential to go on to be considered as world class players. I don't think there's any doubt about it on on either case. And um, very exciting, great, great recruitment over the over the summer and uh, the rebuild just looking good and good. But anyway, disappointed with the draw. Obviously, the performance just got better and better as it went on. Just you know, a moment of madness within forty seconds cost us the what would have been another good three points and him now takes into Brentford and Albert, does it make Brentford a bit of a must win? Probably, I, I don't want to say it is a must win, but it's kind of like we, we certainly don't want to lose. And, you know, with teams starting to pick up behind us, uh, Newcastle starting to get some results, Norwich themselves and no pushovers anymore. Um, we don't want to start having to look over our shoulders. Uh, I don't know if it's a must-win game. Obviously, it's a, I don't want to lose it. And, you know, I always think a point away from home isn't anything necessarily to be sniffed at. Uh, you know, obviously, our only away win is at Man City. Not many teams can say that this season. Uh, but, yeah, we do, we do need to sort of... I think, yeah, yeah I think it's, it's it's a must-win in in the aspect that, yeah, we do need to be able to sort of say we've, we've, we've done more away from home in terms of wins. Um, 
you know, they're, I, th- I think we sort of didn't give a good enough account of ourselves against them at home. Uh, albeit it was, you know, it was early in the season and they were, you know, they were a bit more in the momentum than we were. You know, we were still a relatively fresh, fresh proposition back then with all the signings that we made of the new manager. So, I, you know, I certainly don't, I'll certainly be disappointed if we come away with nothing. Uh, and yeah, of course, I want to, I want to see us go there and put in a performance. I think we, I don't know, I was a bit, I was a little bit, Upset's the wrong word. I, I was a bit surprised by the the lineup yesterday. You know, Mateta had a had a, had a good game. I'm not going to sit here and deny that, but I, you know, it's, it's a bit surprising to see Ben Teke and Edouard start on the bench. And you know, you sort of throw that in with Schlupp in the midfield. Which I, I still don't think it's working particularly well. Um, you know, I think they're 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 two positions that I'd expect to see some adjustments there over the over the uh, for the next game. And I don't and I don't know if Elise has started too many games in recent weeks. You know, I I use back as well. So I don't know. I think I, I think I think there'll be a bit of a personnel change. I got a question on that for both of you. Uh Reece Schlupp, would you start MacArthur on Saturday? And the reason I ask is uh yesterday all the subs went back into the change room, except for Jimmy, who was just warming up for ages on his own. So we were like, oh, maybe he's coming on. He obviously didn't. Um, but he, I mean, if he's fit enough to be on the bench, would you say he's fit enough to start? I've, look, I like Jeff Schlupp, but I don't like him as a part of that two in midfield. Um where he's kind of like more alongside Hughes with Gallagher in that more advanced role, um, as we've seen him. When he gets on the ball and he's driving from that position, I like it. But when we're in the early stages of the build-up or we're off the ball, I'm just I'm not sure he he knows where he's meant to be. He always looks a little bit lost at sea in there, and it costs us and it slows us down at times. And this, you know, the center backs are not having as many options as perhaps they should when they're picking up the ball and they're looking, looking for the passes between the lines and so on. But I can see why he would be there as an option because I say he looks incredibly dangerous when he picks up the ball in the center of the field and he starts running at them. They do, they back off. And there was quite a few examples of that against Norwich, but, um, James McArthur has been a master in that position for years for us now, and we all know what he can do. And he can, you know, he does all the work off the ball, but he's got quality when he's on it as well. And he can unlock teams, and he can, you know, press well and win the ball back and start off attacks. He's, you know, he's just someone who, well, he's someone who's played at centre midfield his entire career. You know, that's the the main difference. Jeff Schlupp, left back, left winger, played up front. Playing in midfield, and he's a great tool to have in the squad for moments like this when players are out and we need to fill it in. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if MacArthur's fit and available, then MacArthur would be my my first choice in that in that position. And I don't think that's I, I, that, I would say absolutely not a slight at Jeff Schlupp. I like Jeff Schlupp, but yeah. well, that's the thing. Like Schlupp is a good player to bring on as a sub. And say like, yeah, let's get a bit of impetus, like get the ball and go at the tide defence. You know, that's a good, it's a really good weapon to have. And I was I was talking to Vanessa yesterday about the midfield, and I was like, this season you would say our best three midfield as a, as a unit is Czech, Gallagher, and MacArthur. And yesterday, only one of those three were playing. You know, I think Hughes has been good. I really like him. I think he's been very good since he's come in. Um, but like you say, Schlupp is. 
he he's not that's not his natural role it's not his natural position and i think yeah i mean i if MacArthur's fit i'd start him because he's yeah. him and gallagher together are just they just call it yeah and I, and I think the better the players you put around gallagher the better gallagher gets as well so absolutely um, but Heske, if you're seeing what you're seeming way too relaxed here about this, um, Brentford six straight defeats in all competitions, uh, only one win in their last eight Premier League games. I think they've lost six of their last seven. Um, conceded the first goal in sixteen of their last seventeen matches. Well, hopefully <laughs> we don't let them score after thirty seconds. That would be a good start. Um, I. I don't mean Sam relaxed. I mean, probably because I'm convinced myself already that we're going to lose. So I've just come to terms with it on the on the three and a half hour drive back from Norwich. Maybe that's what it is. Three and a half hours? That's how long it took. Mm. I always feel like it's a bit closer than that. Yeah, it's I, not, isn't it? I do. To be fair, Cara, who very kindly drove, said, oh, it feels like a long drive. And there's me just sat in the back, dozing, just like yeah. Right, not when you're it, asleep. It seems fine. I don't know what you're talking about. I wake, I wake up and we're in Elephant and Castle. Well, we're at Elephant and Castle already. What are you talking about? Just... So you you were in the back this time. You didn't go call shotgun and <laughs> leave Vanessa in the back. Rotate. You've got to rotate, haven't you, Albert? You don't want to Have take you... the piss. Yeah. No, yeah, I was don't. It, was it was it just the three of you in the car? Uh, yes. It wasn't so, just me and her. She wasn't like an Uber where I was just sat in the back saying, drive me home. Did you um, did you lay down across the back seats? Uh, I did not. I Is did that not. acceptable? I, I, I haven't tested the theory. Maybe, <laughs> maybe next time I'll do it. <laughs> just just do it. Just turn up with a pillow and a blanket. <laughs> Albert, Albert doesn't look too happy about that, so I feel like it's not acceptable. It's all right, you're not getting in my car to go to an away game anytime soon. <laughs> that would involve you going to a game, Albert, so I'm definitely not. Oh, oh. So, the only other question I've got before we wrap this up is, Joel Ward, is it time for a rest, Albert? Does Klein is obviously fit now and ready and raring to go. He's on the bench. He's been getting off the bench a little bit. Is it time to give Klein a go at right back? Well, I, I expected to, I expected to see Klein in the cup game, to be honest, because um, you know Joel Ward's played almost every fucking minute. Um, so whilst I would ha- happily see Klein come in for a game, I just think I think Paddy V is just going to stay with the consistency, and and I think we'll see, I think we'll still see Joel Ward myself. Mm, yeah, I mean, I I agree. Um, Heskiff, would you if you were big? Um, Super Pat Vieira, as the as the fans are singing now. Um, would you give Klein a go in there? Do you think Wally might need a bit of a rest, considering all the minutes he's played? If it was me, I probably would. Uh, and yeah, obviously, I'm a, I'm a massive Joel Ward fan, but his form in the last few games has been a bit iffy. And if he was looking a bit a bit slow and puffy yesterday. You know, another a third game in the space of a week probably ain't going to help. Um, but I agree with Albert. I think the likelihood is that Vieira keeps it as is. So just have to hope he has a better game. Okay. Um, predictions. Uh, Albert, is it going to be seven defeats in a row for for the bees? The bees. Uh, yeah. 
my head saying my head saying a draw. Um, but I know that's what Heskis probably going to go for. So I'll go for a two-one win, Palace. Yeah, I'm. I am going to go for a draw. I'll say one. Yeah, see, I knew it. I'll say one. Yeah, I mean, I've got um, Christian Eriksson won't be. They don't think it's going to be time for him. Tony might be back from injury. Um, their first choice keeper from the beginning of the season's back, but even he had a bit of a shocker against City as well. So um, I don't know. They're still in a bit of a mess, but they have got some players coming back. It'd be interesting to see what happens. I'm hoping they're a team that they play their one way, they're super on the front foot and they really want to get at you and it's going to be uncompromising as always. And I think they'll leave spaces in behind, which will make it a bit easier for us to score then perhaps Novich made it by just sitting deeper and deeper and protecting the goal with basically all of their players. So I think we're going to win 2-0. I've got got some confidence going into this one. Um, and it's a new new ground for basically all of us, unless you've been to see Brentford this season um, for whatever reasons, new ground. Um, we don't get those often, do we, Heskiff, in terms of watching Palace, being that we'd never go out of the top two divisions. Yeah, well, that's it. Uh, and it's nice that it's a new ground that's also in London. So mm. it's not going to be like a, too much of a pain in the ass to get home. It, well, <laughs> well, I'll say that. What I am quite looking forward to, though, is um, Nick from the Match Report is getting the boat to the game mm. and is a little worried that he won't be able to stand by the time he's off the boat, more because of the alcohol than the sea legs. So it'd be good to see what state he's in if we if we see. Well, him it's going to be his birthday, isn't it? So um, happy birthday to Nick. Sorry, can we just rewind a little bit? Because Heskey's talking about pain in the arse of getting back from away games after he's just said that he just sat spread out <laughs> in the back of a car for three hours, just fucking chilling and dozing. Just Where's do- the pain in the arse there? Doze into the sweet aromas of plum porter coming off of Chris Clark's breath. <laughs> And just coming around, just just coming around every so often. Left ear. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, thanks to everyone for listening. Um, we'll be back next week uh, when we'll be building us up to Chelsea. Chelsea. Football. 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 Football everywhere, all of the time. Um, yes. So. We'll be back. We'll be recording Wednesday next week. So back to normal time. So it should be in your ears on Thursday morning for your commute. Or oh, Albert's like putting some sort of emoji face there. I am also going to put an emoji face. I think it might have to be Thursday. Oh, This is live calendar movement. It might not be Thursday because Albert's making another face. <laughs> You'll get it when you bloody get it. <laughs> yeah, please, please don't um, send us angry, angry messages on Twitter. <laughs> No, no weeks off. Um, But yes, we'll be back next week at some point. And before I sign off, you're going to have the dulcet tones of Chris Clark seeing you out of this podcast. So until next week, up the palace. Hello, everyone. Um, This is Councillor Chris Clark, the Thirsty Councillor, recording a live review of the Titanic Plum Porter. Um, and I'm, I'm drinking it as we speak. In fact, I'm going to have a sip during this review. Lovely mouthfeel. And 
So here we are, from, live from the George in central Croydon and the best ward in Croydon, Fairfield. Um, and I'm pleased to say that um, they have the Titanic Plum Porter on at the moment. I discovered this beer uh, for the first time on an away trip to Stoke. Um, as you can hear, there are some people who are also enjoying Plum Porter by the sound of it around me. Um, and... The so on, on this trip to Stoke, my, my mate Fireman Ian, who's got the odd mention on the pod of late, um, had heard online um, about the plum porter but hadn't had it. He doesn't even like porters particularly. Um, and I don't like Guinnessy drinks generally. Um, yeah, you're kind of darker, portery, stouty drinks. No, not for me. Um, but he said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order a, a half of this and we'll, we'll sample it, shall we? And I, so I reluctantly agreed. And I tried it and fuck me, it's lovely. Um, it's, it's like Guinness, but with port in it, it's, it's got that kind of fruity edge. It's fantastic. And there's a pub in Stoke called the, the White Star Line. We walked in there. We, we'd been told that you weren't allowed to wear um, away colours, but actually they let us in, uh, very welcoming, um, and it's absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, when I've done Stoke Away every time since I discovered that, I think the first time I went was that that time when Chungi scored the last-minute goal just before Christmas. Um, absolutely fantastic. Um, it's a great beer. I get these, I get these delivered in um, cases to my flat, and I strongly recommend it. I really hope they're going to give us a discount for this product placement on the pod. Um, I suspect they're not. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a Titanic um, brewery. The beer is plum porter, and it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, and I had managed to have some at Norwich away. We went to a great pub called the uh, Fat. <laughs> it's the ninetieth minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Cat and Canary uh, near the ground. Um, and so that was me, Cara and Eskif. Um, and, um, and they let you take real glasses outside on match day, as Cara has just pointed out to me. So, yeah, you, you know you're not in South London then. Um, yeah. So there you go. That, that's the review of the, the pod. Sorry, um, of the Titanic Pump Pod. Sorry, that's a bit long. But um, that's the Thirsty Council away. Peace out. Well, that's an insight there into what Labour councillor meetings might be like. Yeah. I could have done three pints in the fucking time he recorded that. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.